Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, October 25th. We've been looking at the book of Philippians, and we continue that today, looking at verses, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 12 through 21 in the book of Philippians. Listen as I read God's word to us. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live, many live excuse me, as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship, it's in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Did we notice the way that Paul compares the Christian life to a running race? In these verses for Paul, you see the goal, the prize at the end of the finish line is is to become like Christ. And back in verses 10 and 11, he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him. In first Corinthians chapter two, he wrote, I am resolved to know nothing while with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then in Romans eight, he said it is the destiny of all Christians to be conformed to the likeness of God's son. So Paul's reason for living his golden life was to become more and more like Jesus. And as believers in Christ, as Christians, it is our reason for living. It is our goal as well. And now in these 10 verses of chapter 3, Paul states several principles that will help us to achieve that goal. Think of them as sort of tips, running tips, if you will, for the marathon of life. The first one, the first running principle Paul cites here is the commitment to never quit training. In other words, we should never stop striving to grow spiritually. And in verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on. In other words, Paul felt he had not arrived at spiritual maturity as of yet. And we never do on this side of eternity. So our training should never end. We, we should never quit trying to, to grow more and more like Jesus in, in our thoughts and our actions. I read a little snippet of a young man who, at his college graduation ceremony, waved his diploma in the air and said, it's time to stop learning and start living. It's, it's understandable. It's a feeling that most graduates would have, right? They've, you've worked hard for four or more years and 
that diploma is placed in your hand and you're ready to reap the benefits of their hard work. Of course, most of them eventually discover that learning doesn't end and when you get your degree. No matter what career track you pursue, you, you need to continue growing in knowledge of your field so you can stay sharp, so you can stay employed. Well, it's the same way in the Christian life. We never reach a point where we can say, I've arrived and know all that I need to know. By the way, the word disciple doesn't mean expert. It means learner because following Jesus, growing in his likeness is a never ending learning process. Consider Paul himself. He was without a doubt the most influential Christian in the history of the church. He wrote more than half of the New Testament. He started several churches and he helped spread Christianity throughout the then known world. He, he was given the title of apostle, which is the highest authoritative title in the early church. He used his authority to settle matters of doctrine and church policy. But in spite of all this influence and power, Paul never reached the point where he said, I have arrived. I know all I need to know. In fact, he said the exact opposite. And in today's text, he says, I'm still learning. I'm still a student. I will be one all my life. There's always more to learn when it comes to understanding how to do what Jesus would do. For us, this means that we, we have to be humble people. For, for the more we grow in our faith, the more accurately aware we become of, of our inadequacies, of our limitations. I'm more aware of my weakness. We constantly train because we never arrive. The farther we go, the farther we see we have to go. A, a sign of spiritual maturity, then, is the recognition that we are not yet mature. Believers should be the last people on earth to be proud of their accomplishments. A little boy once came up to former President Herbert Hoover just after he had left office and asked for his autograph. And when Hoover complied, the boy said, would you mind signing it again further down? All right, the president said, but, but why twice? Because, the bright young businessman said, the two of yours, I can get one of Babe Ruth's. No matter what we attain in life, we will never reach spiritual perfection. So we need to always be humble in our evaluation of ourself. Secondly, we must commit to not look back. In verse 13, Paul says, forgets what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. You know, one of the biggest barriers to enjoying all of Christ, that what Christ has for us today, is my stubborn unwillingness to release the things that happened yesterday. For example, some, some people cannot release from their minds the accomplishments of the past. They, they live in their past triumphs, a decision that they made for God, maybe in an early childhood, a memory of yesteryear, uh, a spiritual mountaintop experience, a moment when they made a bold stand for Christ in the past, things like that. But the spiritual milestones in our lives, while they are wonderful, they were, they, they were have an, an essence or they have, and in essence, become tombstones because they've not grown and we've not grown past that point. We've stopped, perhaps, all forward progress and constantly stand looking back at the good old days. Looking back. When God led the people of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land, he, prom he provided everything that they needed for the journey. They had shade by day, light by night. They had water to drink, manna to eat. The time came, however, when the people ceased to look forward to the land that God was going to give them. And instead, they started looking back to their life in Egypt. And they started remembering their life in Egypt incorrectly. And in Numbers 11, 5 through 6, they said, We remember the fish we ate and at Egypt. 
in Egypt. At no cost also, the cucumbers, the melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The people of Israel began to hunger for those things of the past. The things, by the way, when they were in slavery. And God taught them a great lesson by giving them the things they had asked for. He gave them quail until they grew sick of it. He did this because they had begun to look back and failed to trust God for their present and future blessings. And unfortunately, I too, I too can be a leek and a garlic Christian, meaning I constantly look to the past. Now, if our Christian terrorist testimony is entirely taken up with what God did for us 30, 40, 50 years ago, or if we're constantly talking about the good old days or remember when or some return to the remember when era, we were always looking back. We can't we can't move forward. And, you know, Paul had plenty of spiritual mountaintops in his past in which he could have retreated. But as he says here, hey, I'm forgetting the good things of the past so I can reach out for the better things that are ahead. You know, some of us don't want to make any progress in the Christian life because we can't release from our minds the hurts of the past. So, so instead of the, the successes and maybe it's the failures, we spend all of our time nursing some wound or a secret hurt, which has so focused our minds on the past that we, it consumes our energy in the present. We forget that no matter how long we, we nurse a grudge, it won't get any better. Well, Paul had plenty of hurts to dwell on as well. His entire ministry was carried out under the the open hostility of those around him. But he refused to look back and dwell on the unfairness of life. This isn't fair. Where does it say in the scriptures that your life is going to be fair? Some of us are so curious of, of past, are so conscious of past sins and burdened by guilt that we're totally useless in the present. So we become handicapped. Paul had sinned before he became a Christian. He had tortured and murdered people, innocent people. He had caused a lot of pain and had done much damage to the cause of Christ. Now he's faced with a choice, either dwell on his mistakes or accept God's forgiveness and learn from that experience and move on. Paul chose to move on. He decided to not look back. And in this portion of Philippians, one thing Paul is saying is that if we want to achieve greatness in the kingdom of God, we must not look back either at the successes or the failures of life. This will only slow or stop our progress altogether. It will keep us from winning, from achieving any kind of victory in our Christian walk. This is what he was alluding to in Hebrews chapter 12 when he, when he said, let us throw off everything that hinders and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then the third tip, the third running tip that Paul gives us here is that we should only train with winners or with other champions. We see this in verse 17 where he says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. In all those weeks of watching the the first century version of ESPN, those games held in Corinth, Paul saw that if an athlete wanted to be a good runner, it would help if, if they ran and if they trained with others who knew what they were doing. In this way, they would learn from their experiences, their successes. And Paul says here that the same principle applies to the Christian life. To be a growing Christian, a maturing believer, we need to hang around or relate to other maturing or growing Christians. We need to follow good examples. And the good example that Paul first mentions, well, is himself. Now, Paul isn't being proud or holier than thou here. Remember, he doesn't say that he's perfect or that he's arrived. He's simply saying what he said in 1 Corinthians. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
In other words, attempt to imitate Christ just as I am attempting to do. Jesus, the master mentor. And Paul saw the power of that. The best way to master something is to imitate a master. And Paul understood this principle. He knew that anyone who wanted to grow in the Christian life and the walk would do well to find a mentor and someone who was obviously maturing, someone who was close to the Lord and values that closeness. And then in verses 18 and 19, Paul does warn us to be careful for there are people out there that we should not follow or that we or we should not mentor people he referred to as enemies of the cross. He says that they are destined for eternal hopelessness, driven by sensual appetites, dedicated to material earthly things, whereas we are running the other direction. For as believers, as Christians, we belong to those who are bound for heaven. We value things of eternal significance. And so Paul warns us here that there are there are bad people in the world, people we should not mentor, people we should not follow. Now, Paul isn't trying to be judgmental. He, he isn't saying that Christians are better than non-Christians. He's simply reminding us that God has placed us in a sinful world, a world full of people who are opposed to his kingdom. In fact, we are, as followers of Christ, the minority. And our mission is not to argue with them or to put them down or to make them feel ashamed. Our God-given task is to reach out to them. That's called evangelism, to win them, not the other way around. So Paul is saying we must choose our mentors carefully, study their lives, spend time with them, make sure they are worth being mentored by. Perhaps this is one reason Paul encourages the Philippians here not to, not to limit their mentors to only himself, but to find several good examples to follow. And this is a good place for us to, to be reminded that no one person on earth should be our single source of instruction or our only object of admiration. When that happens, we can easily get tunnel vision and draw dangerously close to idolizing an individual. We're told to follow others' example, but not only to focus, but not to focus fully on one person, no matter how godly or gifted they may be. So if we want to grow as a believer, if we want to understand more and more about the kingdom of God, then, then get to know, train with others who are obviously growing themselves. And then the fourth running tip that Paul gives us is, is, is this, simply to remember whose team we are on. In verse 20, Paul says in the essence that as, if, as we run through life and encounter people who aren't running in our direction, people who don't value the goal of knowing Christ, we must not forget that we are on heaven's team. And that is where our citizenship lies. And I, and I think this is one of the most crucial things that we're dealing with as a church right now, worldwide. On this side of eternity, we are in essence playing an, 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 an away game. And in order to make the any progress toward victory, we must remember where our goalpost lies. We need to remember that we represent our Heavenly Father. We are family members. We are citizens of heaven. Now, citizenship is something that Philippians would have understood. Philippi was a Roman colony. And these Roman colonies were amazing places over all over the empire in strategic sites like the intersection of main roads or top mountain passes along which an, an enemy might come, the Romans would start a colony, a little Roman city. And these colonies were populated by mostly soldiers who had served their time 21 years and had then been rewarded with full citizenship. And each of these little colonies was a miniature type of Rome, no matter how far from Rome it might be. 
Roman dress was worn, Roman magistrates governed, the Latin tongue was spoken, Roman justice was administered, Roman morals were observed, even though they weren't in Rome. They still did as the Romans do. So Paul says to the Philippians, just as the Roman colonists never forget that they belong to Rome, you must never forget that you are citizens of heaven and your conduct must match your citizenship. Paul was telling the Philippians that even though they were separated from heaven, they were a colony of heaven. They did not belong to the society around them with its paganism and godlessness. No, their real homeland was heaven. And we need to remember the same thing if we want to make any progress in our goal of becoming like Christ. We must never forget that we are children of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are in the world, but we are not to be of it. We are to influence the world, not be influenced by it. Anyone who belongs to Christ marches to a different drummer and obeys different orders. And as Christians, as children of God, we are not home yet. Like the Christian in the old hymn, Isaac said, in the old hymn lyrics, I am a stranger here with a foreign la- within a foreign land. My home is far away upon a golden strand. Ambassador to be of realms beyond the sea. I'm here on business for my king. So what about it? How is our race going? Do we need to stop looking back so that we can return to moving forward? Are we training as hard as we should or are we resting on the on the laurels of past victories? Do we have good mentors, other growing Christians to watch and to learn from? There are no Lone Ranger Christians. If you're listening to this and you are at home, it is time. It is time for you to come back to church. It is time for you to find fellowship in a body. If not this one, someone There are plenty of measures to be safe, but it is time. We are not meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. Are we running on the right team? How is our running going? Now, we can imagine the effect it would have on our community and the world if all of us Banner Christian Fellowship runners would commit to running the race according to these tips. Seeing every moment, every facet of our life as part of a race to becoming more like Jesus. Imagine the consequences of all of us giving our entire lives to God's purposes, to running life's race in such a way as to win the prize. To say, as Paul says in our text, this one thing I do. So now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within him, within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Until we're together again, may God hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. And God bless.